Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis. I have been talking in the last few sessions about the two aspects of salvation. And I have suggested that the Jews today don't concentrate on whether they're saved or not. That's very much a Christian theological concept. Are you saved? Are you not saved? The reason the Jews don't really even think about it is because they know they belong to God. And I like to replace belonging to God uh, in using that instead of being saved. If, if you belong to God, you're going to be with him at some time in the future. He is in the process of drawing you to him in righteousness. And it will be accomplished. I mean, you don't have to do it. It will be accomplished. Now, you can you play a role in this in this whole plan of redemption but it's not up to you whether you're going to stand before him in righteousness because you belong to God and you will stand before him in righteousness at some time in the future it is a promise of something future and the Jews know they belong to God so they focus on the second aspect of salva salvation which is walking in the ways of God pleasing God now um, being saved rescued or delivered from the world from bondage to the world um, which brings about suffering and pain and all the worldly th consequences that we have. So if we're in alignment and harmony with God, then what we learned in the last session is that is true freedom. You're free from the bondage to the world when you submit in bondage to God. And you submit in humility and obedience, and that's what a servant does. A servant uh, submits in humility and obedience and and belongs to the Lord. In, in our case, the Lord is the Lord Yeshua. We belong to the Lord when we submit and obey to him. We become a disciple. The disciples are the ones who are learning to walk in true freedom, which is submitting in service to, to their Lord Yeshua. What I want to do in this session is I want to continue with the whole concept of walking in freedom by by coming into relationship with God. So it's a daily salvation. It's not a, a, fu a future salvation, a future promise. It's a daily salvation. And I'm going to do it by a close examination of Jacob's ladder, which you will find in Genesis chapter 28. And I'm simply going to take three verses, and I'm going to do a close examination of Genesis 28, verses 10 to 13. Because in this account... We are learning how God was drawing Jacob to him, that this whole process of daily living that draws us closer and closer to God as we're being rescued from bondage to the world and learning how to be truly free as servants of God. And we're going to see that in Jacob, and we can apply it to our lives today. Now, the first thing we have to do, I want you to get a picture in your mind of the geography. I think I think, just think that's very important. Because it starts out in Genesis 28, verse 10. Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. All right, Beersheba is in the desert area south of Tel Aviv. And 
the Jacob and his family were living there. His father was Isaac. His mother was Rebekah. He had a twin brother, Esau, Esav, and they were living in the area of Beersheba, which is down in the south of Israel today. The south, southwestern would be the southwestern part of Israel today. And he left there because he had bought the birthright from his brother, but then he he acquired the birthright, the um, blessing that went with the birthright by deceit in which he was assisted by his mother, Rebecca, Rivka. So he had to leave, because otherwise his brother Esau might kill him. <laughs> Brotherly love. So he was leaving, and he was on his way to Haran. Haran is up in what is today Iraq, and that's where Abraham originally came from. So the family, Abraham and then Isaac, um, uh, Jacob's father, they came from that area. So he was on his way back to Haran. And it says that he came to a certain place. Now, um, we know a little bit later in the story that he called the place Beit El. In English, it's translated Bethel, but the Hebrew is Beit El. Beit is house, El is God, house of God, because God is going to to speak to him here in, in this location. Beit El is located not on the main trade route that goes along the coastal plain next to the Mediterranean Sea. It's up in the hill country. And it's uh, just north of Jerusalem today. It's in the Palestinian area. It's probably in a location where Palestinians have built over it. They've built a community over it. So archaeologists are, are, are not able to excavate it, but they, they know where it is based on the description in Scripture. So he was up in the hill country, and it says he came to a certain place, and we know this was Beit El, and spent the night there because the sun had set. Now, what comes next, I want you to learn to identify key words by being curious. This is really important. Just let your curiosity lead you. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit in you which guides you, and that will help. But you have to be curious by nature. You know, I find, because I, I sometimes teach in, in with church groups, and I find that they are so used to being told that it's either a right answer or a wrong answer that I can't get them to discuss. I can't get them to really think and analyze the text. It's Well, it's very difficult, and I have to kind of teach them how to do it. And we've grown up in that tradition, so you may think you're very good at discussion, but let me read this to you, and you tell me what, what draws you in. Okay, Jacob took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. Now, what's the key word? Is it stone, place, head, lay down? And, and place is, re is repeated twice. Is it the repetition? What, what is it? What's, what's drawing you in? You have to be curious, George. Well, what drew me in was the concept of the stone. To, to take a big rock and put it under your head for a pillow, I don't even think they would have done that in ancient times. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I thought to myself, this is strange. Why would he take a big rock and put it under his head to go to sleep? It doesn't make any sense. So I thought to myself, okay, maybe there's some... You see, what what the sages suggested was that if something was strange or puzzling in the text, it it is likely leading you into some deeper aspect of meaning. 
I happen to agree with that because I've I've tried it over and over and over again. I now practice it in my daily work, and it works. <laughs> if you're drawn into something strange or unusual, you follow that trail, and you'll find something that you'll uncover something really, really powerful. So I took the concept of the of a stone, of putting a stone under your head, and. Uh, and what we have in the text, in fact, the word is used in this Genesis account. The Hebrew word is matzebah. It, it, it's used a little bit later in the account, but the word is matzebah, which means a standing stone. Now, in the ancient world, these standing stones were, were vertical stones, and they were uh, put there for idol worship. Uh, we see them throughout the Near East, the ancient Near East. We see them in, in England. Um, you know, the Neolithic people in England had these these standing stones. And we see them in, in Israel at, at Gezer, which is was was built up by, by Solomon. Um I mean, it was it was there before Solomon built it to be um, a, a major location on the trade route for him, and and the the matze boat, which is, puts it into the plural, are still there. You can see them today. They're standing stones, and if you can't go to Gezer to see them in person, you can go online and see pictures of these matze boat, these standing stones that were erected as part of the idol worship. And and in fact, there's another location in Israel where I have seen one, and that's at um, in Hebrew it's Shechem, and I think we say Shechem or something like that, and it's where it where Abraham first came into the land, and and he came to this to this ancient city, and in the archaeological ruins you can see where the gate was, and beside the gate is this standing stone. It's a it, it it's almost it's almost like an altar type of thing where where you would leave offerings before entering the city it's a standing stone so when uh jacob put a stone under his head he's still in the immaturity that is associated with standing stones that is is not yet fully believing in god it's still relying on on some of the pagan concepts and it, it's not that he was worshiping idols, it's that he simply had not grown in maturity to fully obey God, fully trust in God. And and we're going to get, at, at the end of the account, um, the, the word uh, matzebah is actually used. And let me just read that to you now. Let me go get that. Okay. It says, um, you know, when this whole account is over, and there's been Jacob's ladder, and Jacob's had this... this um, uh, an account with God, this this encounter with God. It's after it, it all ended. Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a matzebah. Matzebah is that standing stone, and poured oil on its top. So, it it's his it's it's his recognition that he's had an account an encounter with God. And he's praising God and, and doing it. And the oil, of course, is, is to uh, anoint with oil on this, on this stone. He made a matzebah out of that stone. So I think there is symbolism in the stone that he put under his head. And you need to be uh, curious about this. So I'm going to keep going in these three verses because I want you to keep practicing the, um, um, the, the whole idea of, of key words. So... 
Um, he, okay, we've just read, he rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a matzeba and poured oil on its top. Okay, now, before that, let's take a look at the, uh, the dream that he had before he woke up. Jacob had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Well, what are the key words? Let me read it again, and you think to yourself, these are the, I think these, this, these are the words that are pulling me in. Jacob had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, we, we may not have the same key words. You know, you, you may be drawn to some other words, and you would look these words up, to look up the Hebrew word, and to get an understanding of the Hebrew word by taking a look at the other verses in which it's used. Don't work with English definitions, please. Learn to, to work with the, the original word and to understand the original word by how it's used in Scripture. I was drawn first to the word ladder. A ladder was set on the earth. And I had a picture of a ladder that we have in our home. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to look that one up. The word is sulam, and lo and behold, it is only used this one time in Scripture. You can't find sulam, or the English translation ladder, anywhere else in Scripture. When it's only used once, the sages suggest that it is significant and that, that God has placed it there for a reason. It's the only usage, and you really need to go in and take a look at it. The word sulam, meaning ladder, comes from the verbal root salal, which means to lift up or exalt. And you recognize this word because in the Psalms, the Psalm will end salah. You know, salvation belongs to the Lord, your blessing be upon your people, salah. And, and it means, you know, praise God, exalt him, lift him up, praise him. And then another psalm here. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Selah. And you get this selah over and over and again in the psalms. And it's, it's this verbal root of lifting up or exalting. So the ladder is not just a ladder that the angels are climbing up and down on. It is an instrument that allows Jacob to exalt his God. That's what it is. Now, the other words that really drew me in were ascending and descending. Um, ascending is Hebrew Allah, which means to go up. And in Scripture, you go up to God. You always go up to God, always. You also go up to Jerusalem. People who came from Russia to Israel after the Iron Curtain fell were called the Olim. It comes from the word Allah, but it, it starts with the O sound, Olim, but it's the same word, those who are going up to Israel. They're going up to the land of God. So the angels just aren't just climbing up a ladder. They're ascending to God with this great glory and exaltation. They're, they're being, and they're lifting Jacob up. All right. Now, the other word is descending, yarad, which means to go down. And in scripture, you go down to the world. 
For example, you go down to Egypt. You always go down to Egypt because you're going down to the world. So the angels are are going up. They're ascending to God with this great exaltation, and they're coming down to the world. Now, let me explain something to you here. In the ancient Near East, all of the people around Israel believed in gods, and their gods looked like men. Their gods came down to earth. They were like men. They lived like men. They acted like men. They married women and, you know, just like men. And and if you, you know, you take a look online and you see pictures of Apollo and Poseidon and Ares, the god, god of war, they all are, they're people. They look like people, but they're gods. So they're, they're just mighty strong people is what they are. And that was true for the Greeks. It was true for the Hittites, for the Babylonians, for the Egyptians. These these gods looked like men, and they came down to the earth, and they sometimes even, even cohabited with people. The God of Israel is very different. The God of Israel is in the heavens. God was at the top of the ladder. God did not come down. He sent angels down, but he did not come down. He stayed up at the top of the ladder. God is in heaven. God is righteous. God is in heaven in righteousness. He does not come down to us. We must go up to him. And when we go up to him, we have to become as he is. We have to become righteous in order to go up to him where he is righteous. Now, he has sent his son who is assisting us in ascending up to the father. And so the the son is the Messiah. He's he's the one who who rescues, who who helps us ascend up into the heavens, to be with God. So so the God of of Israel is very different, and we see this in Jacob's ladder that we must ascend to Him in righteousness. Now, how do we become righteous? You know, we belong to God. We don't have to be righteous to belong to God. We already belong to God. That's the first aspect of salvation. The second aspect of salvation is to walk in the righteousness that God has made available to us. He first gave Israel the law, and then he wrote the law on the hearts of those with faith in his Son through the gift of the Holy Spirit. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit only through our faith in Yeshua. And and that is is the first way of course the other way was through testing but but he, he is making it possible for us to become more and more righteous if we choose to be and when we are in harmony with god we are walking in the kingdom now and that is the true witness people see those christians who are walking in harmony with god they can see it you know it, it says that we can see the heart and and we can look into the heart of a person and we can see that heart and we can see if that person is is a godly person who is walking in harmony with God. Now we don't walk in harmony with God all the time because you know we can, we're not perfect yet. God's going to accomplish it somehow sometime, but not yet. So God is is drawing us up to him and he is doing it through his son. Now, we see this in the Gospel of John, for example. This is very interesting. When I was I was getting ready to to give this talk, and I and I hit this. I um, I hadn't really seen it before, to tell you the truth. It's in the Gospel of John, in uh, chapter one, verse fifty-one. Truly, truly, says Yeshua, I say to you, 
you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So the Son of Man, of course, is Yeshua. And this is the picture of Jacob's ladder. And it's the ladder is it it, it, may, it it's not a physical ladder it's not a literal ladder it it's the it's the imagery of of exalting God and how do we exalt God we exalt God by by rising up to Him in righteousness and we exalt God because God has sent down His Son to help us ascend up in righteousness to God. And then, um, and how how do we do this? How does the Son help us? Well, we read in Colossians that, that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. He's in you. That's metaphorically in you. It doesn't mean literally. You don't have a, a person living in you. It, it, you know, it says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. The nature of God is holy and spirit, so that the nature of God was in Christ, and Christ, whatever the nature of the Father is, it's it's in you through your faith in Christ, because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory uh, points to the first aspect of salvation. Hope is something future, but it's the certainty that something future will happen. The glory is when you will stand before God in righteousness, in his presence. And so you have Christ in you. But then it says in 1 John, if you dwell in Christ, if you dwell in him, if if you, and it's again metaphorically, you're not actually in his body, if, but it's metaphorically, if you dwell in him, then you ought to walk as he walked. In other words, it is possible to walk as Jesus Christ walked, but to do that, it's like you're, your footsteps are like his footsteps and the words you speak are like he is speaking and so we get you know we want to put Jacob's ladder in our life today and uh, Paul tells us in Romans 5 verse 5 the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has who was given to us that poured out again is the imagery of the pouring of the blood at the temple sacrifice and uh, God has poured out his, the Holy Spirit and he has poured it into our hearts. And it's the imagery of pouring out of the blood through the sacrifice of his son and the pouring of the blood at the, at the um, crucifixion of his son so that by our faith in him, um, we, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And again, Paul says, now we have been released from the law having died to that by which we were bound. Now that's talking about sin. The purpose of the law was to teach us how to walk in ways so that we would not sin. But we've been released from the law because now we have the law written on our hearts. And we, when we walk in the faith and love of Christ, we activate the law in our hearts and we walk in the ways of the law. That's how we have been released from the law. We still have the law, but it's in our heart it doesn't have to be 613 laws in our head. It's in our heart. And we can walk in the ways of the law through our faith and love of Christ. And then it goes on, so that we serve. And there's the word serve. It means we're in bondage. We're servants. We're slaves. We serve in newness of the Spirit. We become new creations. We become new men. We, um, we're, when we walk in it, it's the witness. It, it shows people what's coming in the future. What's coming in the future is this new creation, this new person who's going to be walking in righteousness the way Jesus Christ walked. 
and and that's the the newness of the spirit, not in oldness of the letter referring to the law, uh, because and before the spirit came, all that Israel had was was the rules. Uh, but now we have the rules in our hearts so that we can walk with those we can walk in those rules and righteousness so what's so unique about the god of israel is that he is in heaven in righteousness and he is drawing us up to him in righteousness so paul tells us walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh so we're trapped in the world. We're in bondage to the world because the flesh represents the sinful part of us, the worldly part of us. We're trapped. But God is lifting us up out of the world, out of the ways of the world, into his ways of righteousness and drawing us to him. And he is doing that through his son, whom we make Lord in our lives if we want to claim the second aspect of salvation, which is the wholeness of life. It's walking in righteousness. It's walking in harmony with God. It's actually coming into his presence. With that, I wish you shalom.